Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Here we go. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Ledeau, Matt Penn, Randy Rich, and I am broadcasting from Show Creator Studio South here in Las Vegas. On today's big show, we're saying bon voyage to our co-host, friend, amigo, and pal, me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> drive around aimlessly across the country looking for a place to live and play. Here he is, preaching love, Mr. Penn Gillette. Tell you that's one of his best, isn't it? It is. He's going out on top. Here I am preaching love. Here I am preaching love, and I will tell you that um, uh, uh, you will hear me uh, sniffing and my eyes watering, and uh, it is not uh, losing Michael Godot. It is not losing the Queen. Yeah. It is not losing AJ. It is not the anniversary of nine eleven. It is allergies. <laughs> <laughs> but all of those things contribute. Sure. You know, I got up yesterday morning and it was um, rainy. And I said, oh, I just love the rain. I love the rain in the desert. Nice light rain, you know. Yeah. And I went out and had a wonderful, hard, difficult swim. Like 20 minutes I swam really, really hard. And I felt just great. And I came in and took a shower and sat down and my whole head exploded in uh, in tears and uh, and... and nasal congestion Ugh. because I was out, I guess things flower. You know, here we get fucked by cactus gum. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was um, ripping my head apart. So I took a, you know, a Zyrtec and then had a squirt shit in my nose before the show. Mm. And uh, there we go. So, right. and uh, I was pretty good with all the drugs and I came in today. And as you probably can tell, Reddy has been cooking bacon in here. Can you smell the bacon? I can't. Okay. But I also have a terrible sense of smell. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to say you smell bad? Yeah. I, I smell bad. <laughs> so I just feel all of this is together to, to mess up my sinuses. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. And I don't know, uh, we really do want to touch on, uh, on AJ. We should talk about AJ. How well did you know AJ? Matt? Not well at all, but just all of my Vegas friends were mourning his loss. Yeah, AJ was a, was a, was a great man. Yeah. And really really interesting. You know, AJ was born uh and I know this word is now a pejorative, but he was born into uh gypsy culture. Mm -hmm. I guess not pejorative, it's also considered a racial slur. I don't really know how to get around it. I guess you say Romanian, is that right? That is the hard part, by the way. And I know you're saying something sincere. But what is the replacement for that? Cuz it's not Romanian. No, it's not. That, that is a slur. Roma. But the lifestyle of, you know, vagabond. Yeah, and I uh, believe his family was Russian Jew, which made it more confusing. Right. But he was in that culture. Yeah. So I don't know how to say that, really. What do I say, Reddy? I don't know if I want to say the culture of what used to be called gypsy. What do I say? They go by Romany. Romany. That actual culture. Yes. 
even if the person that is that is not of Romanian ancestry. Right? So here's where the confusion is. In my head is where it is. <laughs> when I was learning all, the, all my geography, I was surprised to find out that most countries actually have the same name. When you translate it, it yeah. almost always comes down to the people's land. Right, sure. And the people is the root, and the land will be the stan or the uh, or whatever. Mm. So Romania is a culture that came from Rome. Okay. Romani is also in Romania, but it's not the culture that came from Rome. It's in their language, Rome means man. I see. So they share similar roots, but they're from different places. Okay. So Romani and Romanian are two different cultures. Okay. So we'll call them gypsies. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> but he was kept out of school. Uh, by his, uh, I think, adopted parents who were in the carnival. Mm -hmm. And that culture, you know, um, was very afraid, and rightly so, that if the children were uh, Americanized, they would lose their culture. And uh, although um, although the, um, the Bunko squad tried forever to take down those people, it was actually shopping malls that did it. Right. You know, because they, they became Americanized and wanted jeans. It became a, uh, a real problem. So they would keep their children out of school. So AJ, until the age of 50, was illiterate. It was amazing. At 50, he learned to read. You know, And I like to brag on the fact that I learned bass at 45, and I started studying Spanish at <laughs> 65. But learning to read, and I mean, he did not read at all. Yeah. Not, not even street signs. You know, It was amazing the ways he had around that. You know, he created Ronald McDonald. Um, he went in for an audition. Right. With, uh, is it Roy Kroc or Ray Kroc? Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc. Went in for an audition with Ray Kroc himself. Ray Kroc had the idea of a clown to, uh, to sell, to sell his burgers at McDonald's. Right. And, um, I think Willard Scott did it for a little bit. Well, right? Willard Scott did it a lot, but AJ was the one who created it. Right. Did the handbooks and all the, Rules and the makeup. and Yeah, he designed the makeup and the character. You know, Willard Scott was essentially an actor doing Ronald McDonald. Right. But, uh, and AJ, of course, also did it. He did it before Willard Scott. But uh, there's this moment that always touched me when he would tell the story where he would say that um, he walked into the uh, audition and Ray Kroc didn't really know what he was doing. And uh, after AJ talked about his background and put on makeup and did some clown gags, Ray Kroc looked at him and said, can you sing Down by the Riverside? <laughs> Which is an amazing moment, right? <laughs> you do know what that means, right? No. Well, what is the tune to Down by the Riverside? Uh, dun, 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 dun. Like that? Yeah. McDonald's is our kind of place. <laughs> <laughs> it's a happy, happy place. McDonald's is our kind of place. Down by the Riverside. Oh, which Ray had, had wanted for the theme song for McDonald's. So AJ sat there and sang down by the riverside with the uh, words to McDonald's. Oh my gosh. Yeah, pretty heavy. He had a tattoo of McDonald's, the golden arches on his ass. <laughs> and he also had a col uh, colost colostomy. Right. Which is also, I suppose, a tribute to McDonald's in a certain <laughs> way. And, um, so AJ would tell me 
He was vice president or a vice president at McDonald's. Okay. So he would get reports. Now remember when, when you're when when you're illiterate in the United States in the twentieth century, late twentieth century, yeah. um, uh, you don't want anybody to know. So I didn't know until he started to learn to read. And I knew him well. And I didn't know until he started to learn to read that he was, that he couldn't read before that. It was really funny, you go to a restaurant with him, they'd hand the menu and he'd just throw it down and say, I'll have what you're having, Pen. Ah. Right. Little tricks. Or what's good tonight. And my favorite, oh, of course, tape recorders also. I mean, he he had he had portable handheld tape recorders before anybody for directions and anything like that. Had a you know a phenomenal memory, you know. Um, right. When when writing was coming in, you know, Plato writes. I think it's Plato who speaks or is reported to have complained a lot about writing as losing the memories of people. I mean, the exact same things that are said about iPhone technology versus yeah. books and books versus yeah. Yeah, yeah. same thing. It's always said. It's also true, by the way. Right of all these things, you do lose that. I mean, people are losing their way of making following directions. Right, that's just gone with GPS. So AJ knew this stuff inside out, and he would also give um, big donations to the local uh, nuns who did reading for the blind, and along with that donation, he'd bring in the McDonald's weekly reports. And the nuns would read those. Oh my God. And then he would ask what they were saying and he'd put a post-it note there with nothing on it. And that would just be a mnemonic so we could open to that page and say, this paragraph here is bothering me. <laughs> and then he gave me a quiz once. AJ gave me this quiz, which I really loved. Uh, sometimes McDonald's would have their meetings in cities that he didn't live in or not over the phone. So you have to go in person and be given new handouts that you have to talk about the next day. How do you get those read? Remember, this is corporate <laughs> information, right? Yeah. And remember, for whatever reason, maybe valid reasons, you don't want anybody in the organization to know you can't read. What do you do? Give confession? <laughs> you don't? You know the answer to this, don't you? I don't, I don't. It's the greatest answer ever. Call girl. <laughs> you call up an escort service and you say, would you send over one of your um, prostitutes who reads the best? <laughs> and you book the prostitute services for a full night and you sit in a hotel room in Chicago with a prostitute who reads you the McDonald's yearly <laughs> report and you make notes. And I... Uh, I said to him after, and then- and I must have changed his relationship to the nuns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you say, I said to him, uh, and afterwards, do you, do you fuck them? To which AJ responded, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, isn't that pretty, isn't it pretty great? Yeah. It's like another carny trick that no longer works, but I love this carny trick. You get in on a bus, right? And you arrive in a bus because you've, you've missed the, the caravan or the carnival. You're joining them part of the way through. You get in on a bus to the town and you have to get out to the fairgrounds. You don't want to pay a taxi. What do you do? Oh, uh, hire a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, always. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> you walk from the bus stop 
to the pizza place. Yeah. You walk in and say, I'd like a pizza delivered out to the fairgrounds, <laughs> and I'll ride with you. <laughs> I, I actually had a cousin find us uh, from Florida find us that way. Really? Yeah. He got off the train, and, and uh, we weren't answering our phone in time, but the payphone was next to Danny's Pizza. And he said, and he walked in and he's like, this is going to sound crazy. Does anyone know where the Donnelly's live? And one guy was like, oh, we know the Donnelly's. <laughs> Cop in. Our pizza, pizza kids. Yeah. In the summertime with four boys and my dad, the pizza was very common to be yeah. ordered. From that would be, that'd be, that'd be, yeah, what, yeah. what was the name of the pizza place? Danny's. Danny's. Danny's Pizza and Little Dan, Silver. Danny make a good pie? Made a very good pie. <laughs> very Jersey style. Very Jersey style. Good crust, all that stuff. And then, of course, was also uh, a lot of our first employers washing dishes for Danny's. Okay. So, yeah. You probably owed Danny money anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It all just, it all came out. Danny was Danny was actually Danny? Danny was actually Danny. Mm -hmm. And then his brother, named Anthony, started Danny's too. To fuck <laughs> And it's a big lawsuit between Danny's and Danny's too. Just like a Hagen Doss and Frusen Glossen, right? Shats. Like Shats. Like Shats. They were like, yeah, yeah. Very all much the same like Shats too. Shats too. Son of Shats. Uh, now, AJ uh, taught me a, a, a way to get upgrades on flights. Mm -hmm. And he gave me a prop to go with it. And I don't understand the prop, but I will tell you what it is. It is a It is a a piece of realistic looking chewing gum that has been chewed mm -hmm. that has a hole in the back so you can stick your thumb into it. Mm -hmm. And what he does is he walks up to the counter at the airlines and puts his hands on the counter with his thumbs behind him and then goes, Oh my God. Oh, Oh gross. Oh my God. And pulls his thumb out. And so he's got gum on it. Like it was on the counter. <laughs> and the person behind the counter goes, I am so sorry. We can make this up to you. And he just, the more disgusted and you can react, the better it was. <laughs> Well, I guess AJ then passed in time because now the airlines won't do shit for anyone. <laughs> AJ, AJ sucked the marrow from the bones of life. AJ was a a serious AJ, life enjoyer. AJ wrote a book called the uh, the, the Art, Art of Schmoozing. The, the Art of Schmoozing, and I read it. I did the uh, I did the um, yeah. uh, the audio book. It was amazing because he really got everything by schmoozing. He would do remarkable things. He had a list mental list, of course, because it was AJ. Every week, he would call 50 people and tell them a joke. He collected jokes that he would tell, and he would, he would pick his joke of the week and call 50 people. And that would be agents, managers, bookers, cruise ship people, Glenn Ally, <laughs> Laura at our office, everybody in every office everywhere. He knew all their names, all their family names. Call up. How you doing, Glenn? Hear about this guy who's hunting? <laughs> every week. So everybody was very aware of AJ. Wow. And AJ also, when he found, you know, like they'd be like a goofy toy you'd see, like a little acrylic thing that could spin one way and not the other. Yeah. <laughs> Those kind of little trinkets. When he saw one that he liked, he would track down where it was manufactured in China and then buy two cases, put them in his trunk. So every time he showed up anywhere, he'd be giving you toys and stuff to the oh children. He never, ever, ever met a child that he didn't have something in his pocket to give him. Wow. Little magic trick, little something. Suitcase was filled with that. As AJ said, his mother used to say, when you go up to someone's door to have dinner, how do you get their attention? And some would say, knock on the door. His mother would say, no, you kick the door 
because your hands are full of gifts. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. AJ was a joy. AJ was a joy. His father was a patch in the carnival. You know, the guy who made... Well, a patch is the guy at the carnival who kind of has no job except to make sure everything's okay. Uh Uh-huh. So the patch has thousands of dollars in cash in his pocket, and everyone on the lot knows the patch and knows he has complete power. So the mayor comes in of a small town, the police chief, says, uh, my son was here the other day. One of your guys ripped him off. And AJ says, well, I'm sure he didn't rip him off. But there's probably a misunderstanding. How much did he lose? Tells him. Pays it off. Walks over and goes, how about one of those big bears from the whole thing there? Any, any place he walks to, takes the biggest prize, hands it to the guy. Also, if there's a uh, a girl show, girly show as they were called, or if there isn't, he says, um, you know, there's a, there's a nice woman who'd like to meet you. Ah. And everybody knows the patch points, you do it. You're thrilled. Everybody plays along. And all he does is make sure they stay open. Wow. And there's no hay ropes, no uh, yeah, yeah. no fighting, nice. no nothing. So when you have that job, which is a nutty job, right? Yeah. Really nutty job. You're not working until someone storms onto the lot going, I'm going to shut you down and kill somebody. And then you jump up from your folding chair <laughs> at the cookhouse, run over and say to whoever it is, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> Fascinating. And AJ was a patch of life. Yeah. He'd make everything okay. And he drove everybody crazy, uh, of course, because he would not call up like you do and say to Glenn, I'd like tickets to the show. Yeah. He'd just show up. Ah. And he would walk in and say, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I, t- I taught Penn and Teller most of their magic. And, uh, <laughs> and Zeke is my son who works here. And they, they put tickets aside for me. And, and and he'd schmooze his way in. And Glenn would go, you just call, AJ. <laughs> just, just call. Because there was always be a phone call saying, yeah. there's this guy here. Glenn's at dinner. <laughs> AJ. We say, oh, yeah, you let him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, AJ. Not, for the listeners, he's not Zeke's father. Well, he is. He is, sort of. He is. Not officially, but he adopted Zeke and raised him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Zeke's mom was having a little trouble, Mm -hmm. and she was distantly related to AJ, and AJ sent a plane ticket, and Zeke moved in with him. Oh, I had no idea. And then moved in with me. And by the way, 15 people, 20 people have that story. Yeah. If if there were any young people in trouble. Yeah. uh, I mean, not, you know. Whatever their trouble was, you know, their parents couldn't handle them in some way, and they were on their way maybe to a to a bad life. If you knew someone who knew AJ, he'd send him a plane ticket. He'd move in. He always had a big house, always plenty of food, big meals. As far as I know, he had no technique to straightening people out, but it always worked. It well, like- he was a, he's just a walking testament to gumption and determination, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, just... A guy who facilitated this entire world. So he would immediately, they'd be hired to set props for him when he did the little magic shows. You know, that was Zeke's job. Uh He had to do that. They'd immediately be, you know, go fix the thing down by the lake. Go do this, go do that, do your schoolwork, you know. And uh, 
all of a sudden he turned out, uh, and a lot of them went right into being Ronald McDonald's because you know there's yeah. hundreds of Ronald McDonald's around the world. Right. So and yeah. we would always we did one convention of Ronald McDonald's, <laughs> and the guys all came up, you know, with tears in their eyes, saying, you know, AJ saved my life. That was just the sentence you said. You know, he'd find people that were having a rough time, and train them to be wonderful Ronald McDonald's. Yeah, and his website's still up. You can look up uh, AJ Comedy Entertainer. Yeah, and see video or pictures of AJ if you want to. It was just wonderful. And the carnival stories he had, uh, some of them make your skin crawl, some of them make you laugh forever. Are they collected anywhere now? Uh, he put out some comic books. He, he did a thing, a thing called Carnival Knowledge, which is a monologue. AJ was a, uh, a great, great guy. And also AJ Promises, because I was very big on busting AJ's balls. I was very big on being mean to him. And AJ said repeatedly on his deathbed, if there is any sort of afterlife whatsoever, I will find a way to come back and haunt Penn. <laughs> um, so Zeke's been asking me, anything weird happened on the Gillette house? Uh, your nose has been running since he died. <laughs> right since right. I will tell uh, one other story about AJ that, that may be a... Uh, more of a Penn and Teller story than an AJ story. But AJ, um, we were in, I don't know, Wisconsin maybe, and AJ came to our show. And after the show, we went out to eat. And AJ went into the uh, bathroom and came out and said kind of casually he'd been vomiting blood. And Teller said, that's not something you say casually. We're going to the emergency room. And AJ said, no, 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 no. He argued about it. And Teller said, no, we're going to the emergency room. It's not up for discussion. And then Teller said to me, uh, this is kind of a, I think maybe if we stay with him, because we're on the newspapers and everything and on TV, we may be able to get him a little better treatment because out of town in an emergency room, it can be scary. So about two in the morning and Teller me and AJ are in the emergency room. And sure enough, we made ourselves known, introduced ourselves, and, you know, did some of the A.J. schmoozing. Right. You know, want tickets next time we're in town, that kind of thing. Ooh, there's gum on the hospital counter. <laughs> and got A.J. in. Can you got, get a better seat? <laughs> and got A.J. in fairly quickly. Yeah. And A.J. was uh, was put under, and they were going to do this thing where they went down his throat with a tube. And we were in the room with him because one of the um, nurses uh, was a, Big fan of ours and was thrilled that we were there. And one of the other nurses says, well, we're going to do this operation, this this procedure, and um, you better get Penn and Teller out of here. And he said, no, 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 this is Penn and Teller. They can handle anything. And the guy is kind of performance art brought us popcorn. So we were sitting in the room, and AJ was put out, and he was had his had his mouth back, his mouth open, and his he was unconscious. And they were going to put a tube down his throat. And the, uh, the uh, doctor came in, who was a Midwestern woman, kind of no-nonsense woman. And I said, well, his, his mouth is open like that, and he's out. If I give you $200, can I just put my cock and balls in his mouth <laughs> and then tell him we'll take a picture? And she said, what? <laughs> what? Why, why would you want to do that? And Teller said to post it on the internet. <laughs> and, and she said, no. And Teller said, 
$500 cash right now. <laughs> and she said, no, until I said, we can go to a cash machine. I think we can go to $1,200 cash. <laughs> she said, no, and I'm going to throw you out. And I said, please, this would be a great, it'll be a really, really great picture. And she said, no, this is a serious procedure. I said, you do your serious procedure after we do our picture for the internet, please. And she said, no. And I said, it won't shock you. You're a doctor. She said, no, I'm going to throw you out of here. So um, he was gushing blood out of his mouth. Yeah. And she put the tube down and found out that uh, AJ, the dipshit, had been doing um, lawn work every day. And then right as he went to bed, he would lay in bed, take five aspirin, right? Oh. Take a little sip of water, then go to sleep. And he had completely oh, burned nah. his whole throat. So they said, stop doing that. They patched him up a bit. And the next day he was in the hospital. And he woke up. We were there visiting him. And we came in a little after he woke up. And AJ said, Every person in this hospital has told me, come into my room and told me that while I was out and my mouth was open and my throat and stomach were bleeding, that you tried to bribe the doctor into putting your cock and balls in my mouth? I said, uh, yes, sir. He said, why are you doing that? Tell said, to post it on the internet. <laughs> he said, you're going to take that picture and post it on the internet? Tell us said, yes. What else did you do with that? So that's when AJ first said, when I die, and it won't be long, I will come back and haunt you. Yeah. So if a picture appears on the internet of a ghostly apparition, <laughs> you will know. That that's um, is he yeah. is he the one who uh, like a new a new like it was like a new woman acrobat or something joined the circus of carnival? No, no, okay, no. okay. That's a that's a Bobby uh, Bobby Reynolds story. Got it, got it. Bobby okay. Reynolds story. And a lot of the other stories you've heard are Ward Hall stories, or Chris Chris stories, or Doc Swans. We lost Ward also recently. Yeah, well, probably ten years now. More than, uh, more I've been hosting the show for 10 two, years. <laughs> I've been hosting the show for too long. I'm still the new guy here, so everything still feels like it was yesterday. Yeah, well, you know, it's um, it's the end. I mean, there's there's no more carnival stories. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just fading out. I mean, there's not another generation. You know. I well, yeah. I, I don't here's why I don't know. Here's what's weird is that because monoculture is gone except for politics, it's so hard to gain fame now. I think there will be some kind of resurgence of local touring stuff because you really can't get the word out about stuff like it's getting harder and harder for anyone to tell anyone they're in a new tv show it's getting harder and harder to tell anyone they're in a new movie mm -hmm. you know that i think like now that like something coming to your town and advertising like hey we're in town will actually excite people again maybe maybe you're the guy to do it <laughs> <laughs> matt donnelly's fun center <laughs>
Traveling Fun Center. Hey, Michael Goodell. Hey. You're so good at this. Yeah. Tell us about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is delicious. Oh, hello. <laughs> HelloFresh. You've done HelloFresh. I have. Yeah. It's um, fantastic. HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Tell us a little bit of Goodell about how you like it. Oh, man, Mike. Well, we had one. This is obviously the last week for it, so it's very sad about that. But I had a, they had one this week. It was lemony spaghetti with Brussels sprouts and uh, a little Parmesan cheese and lemons and delicious. Unbelievably good. HelloFresh isn't just for dinner. Shop HelloFresh Market for quick breakfasts, wholesome snacks, even dessert. You'll find everything you need to satisfy your cravings without stepping foot in the grocery store or mini-mart. There's always something new on the menu, from family-friendly to fit and wholesome, or even veggie recipes. There's something to please everyone. They have vegan. Well, they don't have vegan. They have vegetarian. And vegetarian. You, you just leave the, the cheese over there. Leave the leave cheese you. over there. That's all you got there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really good. It is it's your whole kit, and everything's pre-measured. Yes. Measuring is one of the big pains. Fantastic. Making food. It's all that. And you make your children do it. Right? I make my kids do it, yeah. My autistic son is able to make a delicious dinner with uh, HelloFresh, yeah. which is fantastic. And uh, I've had it many times, uh, and I've even cooked it huh? once. <laughs> and, I mean, know, that's just... That's one more than you've cooked anything else. <laughs> that's correct. That's but correct. the laziest listener among us know. <laughs> you got it. <through. laughs> Go to hellofresh.com slash PS16 and use code PS, I'm sorry, PSS, PSS, Penn Sunday School, PSS16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. 16 free That's a lot meals. Of food. So don't go in there and put PSS 17. <laughs> PSS 16. Okay? HelloFresh.com slash PSS 16 and use the code PSS 16 for 16 free meals. America's number one meal kit. Meal kit. It's, a, it's so good and the it's food delicious. is really good. It's just great. And let's talk a little bit, uh, Ready Rich, about okay. Masterclass. Oh, yeah. Masterclass, you get taught stuff by really, really smart, professional people. I want to stress that. With Masterclass, you can, <laughs> le you can learn from the world's best minds. Best minds. The world's best minds. Anytime, <laughs> anywhere, and at your own pace, you can learn how to magic from pen and teller. Improve your magic skills from pen and teller. Or learn magic from pen and teller. <laughs> Really? 150 classes is not just Penn and Teller. And as you, you pay one fee and you get their yeah, whole library. As, as, as Ready Rich knows very well. What have you been studying there, Ready Rich? This week I did Richard Branson. <gasps> nice. So now do you own an airline? I don't, but I know how he did it. Do you really? <laughs> I do. Good. Do you know this story? No, I don't. It ties back into AJ because it's just talking. Really? Yeah. He um, didn't have the money for the plane and... British Airways had a monopoly, and he knew that the plane manufacturers would want that competition. So he went to a plane manufacturer and said, hey, can you loan me a plane for a year, and we'll get a business running, and we'll start buying planes from you. And they did. Wow. Yeah, well, that's kind of stuff. And that's also important because you don't necessarily, <laughs> like, you can watch the one about the astronaut right. or the basketball player. It doesn't mean you're going to be an astronaut, be a professional basketball player. You learn from everything. So you can learn how to cook, 
from the best. It's a cinema quality classes. You know how well it's shot. Beautiful. It's all really beautiful. You can do the lessons in any order. They're usually like 10 to 15 minutes in length. They fit easily into your life. And uh, they also come with PDFs and uh-huh. recipes and stuff like that. It's really, really good. They're doing a thing this Wednesday. There's some sort of convention in town. They have a booth, and we're going to be there. Oh, nice. We'll be there teaching some magic. So uh, check it out, because once you get one of them, you get all of them. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class, and as a Penn Sunday School listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Penn. Now, that's masterclass.com slash Penn for 15% off a Masterclass. It's really, really good. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So AJ did not want to live in a world without uh, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> Do we have uh, anything to say about Queen Elizabeth? Well, I'm, here's my first curiosity was that Prince Charles, now King Charles, liked Penn and Teller a lot. Yes, he's a big Penn and Teller fan. And uh, I had, I think I've told this story before, but there was one guy in Hollywood. There's not just one guy in Hollywood. There's a bunch there's of them. A lot of guys. This is one particular guy in Hollywood that did not like me. Mm. He was an English fellow. And he uh, didn't like me. So when I was up for doing Dancing with the Stars, he said no. Mm-hmm. They overran, overruled him. When, he, when they said Celebrity Apprentice, he said, no, I, I don't like him. And Donald Trump, much to my chagrin, over, <laughs> overruled him because Donald Trump badly wanted me on Celebrity Apprentice. Right. <laughs> and that's the way he got me. Bad. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> and this guy was always a pain in the ass. So a, uh, for me, you know, we'd hear trickle down. He, he don't like you. He was also uh, English, very proud of it, and a real uh, Anglophile. Even though he was English, he loved himself, I suppose. <laughs> a good friend of mine was doing a pilot. And one of these, not pilots, but one of these, uh, what do they call it? Demonstrations. We just, pilot presentation. Presentation of a show he wanted to sell. And he wanted to have a few guests on. And he was calling in favors because you don't get paid for these. He asked me to do it. And I said, yeah, but this is with that guy. He doesn't like me. And he said, well, you know, I, I think you'll be great. I want to show how good this show is. And maybe you'll realize the show is so good it can even overcome Pendulette. I said, okay. <laughs> I said, but I'm flying in from England and because uh, we're over there doing, doing some shows. And so I'll just make it. I've come, I'm flying into L.A. And I'll come directly from the airport where I've left Heathrow. And I'll drive right to the presentation. And he said, uh, well, thank you so much. And I was a little bit... It was a little bit difficult for me because when you fly in from England, you'd like to take a little rest. But I was going right into a presentation and we really were cutting it closely. You know, I got on the plane in Heathrow and then I was going to land and then drive over and the presentation started with five minutes tolerance. I was a little late. The plane was a little late. Not much. Ten minutes. Okay. I took the the Uber. I guess it was a limo at that point. Took the limo over to uh, the lot got on and went in and the guy who didn't like me was there oh geez and i went over to him 
because he was the big cheese. I said, hi, uh, we met before. I think my name is Pat. And he said, yes, we have met before. It was a little bit cold. I said, I'm sorry. I'm just a little bit late. But uh, I had to take the last, uh, the only flight I could get out of Heathrow because I couldn't, I couldn't take an earlier flight last night because I had to spend the afternoon with the Monty Python guys. They're preparing for their uh, O2 show. And I was there at the final dress rehearsal. They wanted me there. And then I went directly over and had supper with uh, Prince Charles. And I couldn't cut that short. I went right to the airport and flew here. <laughs> and he said, you flew, for, I said, I flew from Windsor Castle uh, directly to, uh, drove directly to Heathrow, then flew over here. And he just stood there frozen. Because if you want <laughs> English credibility, yeah. dress rehearsal of Monty Python followed by supper. At the O2. <laughs> yeah. Followed by supper with Prince Charles. Yeah. You can't do better, can you? Really can't do better. <laughs> and he said to me, how many people were, were at this dinner? Because he wanted to find out that I was right. still the scumbag he thought and that I was just lying. Yeah. And I said, well, there were like 50. And he said, so you didn't get to see Charles much? I said, no, no, I, I sat across from him and we talked for about an hour and a half. <laughs> and that changed the whole thing with that guy. <laughs> um, but Prince Charles was inordinately, or maybe still is, yeah. King Charles III yeah. was inordinately fond of me and of, of Teller. When we met him first time with Stephen Fry is a story that I let Stephen Fry tell. Yeah. It's in his book, and it's also, he's told it on many talk shows, but it includes Stephen Fry doing an impersonation of me. Right. Which, by the way, you can hear in any of his books, because when he ever does American accent, he does an impersonation of me. <laughs> um, but Stephen Fry, uh, I met Prince Charles the first time when I was with Stephen Fry. Yeah. And I also believe I met the Queen. I guess you're supposed to remember that. Yeah. Um, but I met Prince Charles, I mean, four or five times and talked with him. Uh, we talked very, very, uh, at length about, uh, about comedy and about, uh, about magic and just about the world. And, yeah. uh, I found him, I found him a, a nice guy with the worst job in the world. Yes. I mean, I would really, uh, I not maybe not the worst job in the world. I mean, there's coal mining and there's emergency room technicians, but, um, a bad job, really bad job, because every night you have to get dressed up, and every night you have to meet people who expect you to be one thing that never changes, and you can't crack out of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't do gags. No. Because people you are You have meeting. to have sauce on everything every night. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe this will lead to a government appointment for you. Maybe. I blew my chance to be in Trump's cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe this will work out. Maybe I'll be. Uh, maybe I'll be an English. Uh, maybe I'll get you some. Give me a job. <laughs> I'll be the Raven guy, right? Uh, yeah, I'm the Raven guy at the at the uh, Windsor. But yeah. anyone who likes wearing funny hats, it's Michael Goodell. So <laughs> That's it. right. I'll that. tell you. Um, Prince Charles had said to Eric Idle, who he knows knows well. We'd also played Prince Charles' birthday party. Mm -hmm. We've also done the uh, whatever it's called, the Prince's Trust to raise money. Yeah, you did something recently with the wrong boys. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that. So we did a lot of stuff with the prince, but he knows Eric Idle. So I was at the rehearsal with Eric Idle that afternoon, and Eric said to me, um, you know, Prince Charles said he'd appear in our O2 show, said he'd do a walk-on, and he just backed out of it. So you asked me, ask him why the fuck he backed out of that. So um, they tell you <laughs> before you go 
in to be with Prince Charles. They tell you, they don't give you any rules. This is part of Stephen Fry's story, which you should hear him tell because it's so mean about me. I'd rather have him tell it than me because I will soften it. And (laughs) Stephen Fry really makes me out to be the asshole I am. (laughs) The hypocritical asshole I am. He makes it me out that way and it's correct. And And I should say Stephen Fry wrote to me and said, I'm putting this in my book and I'm telling this on chat shows with your permission. And he said, it is a story that you are the goat in. He said, but I think that to you and to everybody that hears it, um, my love for you will be very clear. I said, of course, Stephen, I trust you completely. Put it in. And then it was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that phone call of you you trust that the love I have for you will be clear in this story. You know it's a motherfucker. (laughs) So I was told, this is the same story Stephen Fry tells. I was told ahead of time, you know, if you want to follow the protocols, you never contradict Prince Charles and you keep the conversation light. He does not ever want any sort of uncomfortable conversation. That's on you, and it's also on him. And so I walked in. I sit down, and we have our food in front of us, and I'm sitting directly across from him. And, uh, you know, I do all the proper stuff, standing up to be seated and sits down. My wife is right to one side of him, and uh, and Glenn is on the other. We're, Teller's right there. We're, we're just, I mean, it's 50 people in the room, but we are the only ones he can talk to. Yeah. There's, no, there's no other distance. So I lead with, um, why the fuck aren't you doing the Monty Python thing? <laughs> Eric told me you pulled out of that. What the fuck are you thinking? That is my lead. And Prince Charles, just now King Charles III, kind of giggles a little bit and says, well, you tell me, Ben. You tell me. Uh, Monty Python are brilliant. They're smart. I love Eric. Um, it's at the O2. Um, with the stuff they do being sometimes a little bit sexual and a little bit political, uh, in my position, what do you think? (laughs) I said, well, you you put it that way. He said, well, I do put it that way. That's the only way I can put it. (laughs) I said, well, it's probably better that it's probably better to not do it. Right. (laughs) And Prince Charles said, Good. Well, you call up Eric Idle and you tell him that's why the fuck I'm not doing it. (laughs) 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 So uh, we had a wonderful talk. Yeah. He talked about uh, how much he loves comedy. You know, Um, when I first met him, first time I met him, he said, I can't believe there's a, I can't believe there's a more English sentence you can say than this. He said to me, Aren't you the chap that runs over the other fellow with a fully articulated lorry? <laughs> yes, I am. But uh, yeah, I have, I have wonderful pictures of Prince Charles and I together. It's now the king. So I, uh, I, I now have met the king of England. Yeah. Which is, how did that happen? <laughs> and multiple times. And long conversations. It won't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> you can hang with the prince. Not a king. You don't. Th- you don't think I I'll don't, meet him? I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. I, here's the thing: they're going to put together some. They're going to put together multiple events for his birthdays and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't they? I feel like. I feel like he might be. I don't think that's as unlikely as you do. 
All right. Because there will be events that I'll be performing at. It seems like he'll come over well, he and could say, be at yeah. some event you're at. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. You're about to tour England. Yeah. So you got that going for you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, th I think I think I pass my cross. Maybe you'll get a knighthood. I don't think I can be. I'm not a. I'm not a British citizen. You can fix that. <laughs> Just get a passport and <laughs> advocate your citizenship to the U.S. That seems fine. I uh, was remarking to my wife about how um, normally in conversation, the person with the most negative opinion to say it first just squashes conversation, mm -hmm. right? Everyone sees a movie, say, oh, you saw that? I hated that movie. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make the person go like, here's what I liked about it. You know, it doesn't really <laughs> happen. I found this to be the opposite when talking about royalty and the royal family. I find like, many conversations where I'm like, who cares about the royal family? Someone goes, oh my gosh, but did you see Megan? And when <laughs> they did or didn't hold hands, and they just go on and on and on about stuff. You're like, I positive. I said I don't care. Well, you know, Teller's Teller's rule, and this isn't exactly Jermaine, uh, but Teller's rule on art is in any art, the person who likes it is correct. Yeah, the person who enjoys the art is correct. He also makes an exception for Michael Godot's opinion on yeah. Annie. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody else, the person who likes it is right. Um, knock, knock. Who's there? 9-11. 9-11 who? You said you'd never forget. <laughs> it is um, it's the anniversary of 9-11. Yeah. And um, uh, driving over, I, I, I was giving a lot, uh, a lot of thought to that. You know, it's um, 21 years. 21 years. I mean, my children... You know, your children, uh, all our children. All of our children. Were born after. Yeah. My son was, was alive. Was he? When, yeah, yeah, he was. That's right, he was. Because we were in uh, in, in Mexico. Yeah, it was two. And he was obsessed with airplanes, and, and we were in a place where we couldn't get any TV coverage. And then finally, somebody arranged that we could, we could find out what was going on and watch the TV and realized that my two-year-old son was standing, staring at planes, crashing into buildings. Oof. Pretty awful. Pretty awful. I think it's strange. I never saw it. Yeah. I've never, still to this day, I haven't seen it. My, um, my son for like school, my oldest read like, uh, there's like a series of like, I survived books that talk about historical events and people survived them. And he read it one about 9 11. And to him, it was so historical, he didn't even think to ask us what, if we were alive then or what did we think then or whatever. It just was him reading that as part of history with the other things he was reading about. That, it was the 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 amazing thing that's not amazing is you know um art has done us a lot of uh, it's done a lot of damage uh because of making stories good and interesting and one of the things they've done is they've really misrepresented disasters tremendously yeah the people on the titanic were helpful to one another there was not the scrambling right. rat race we usually see and you know people in 911 or running back upstairs to help others. Yeah. They're putting people ahead of them. Disasters do not show people at their worst. They show people at their absolute best. Mm -hmm. And 9-11, um, the stories that have come out of there, I knew. I mean, I guess we shouldn't talk about Steve Buscemi because he wanted to keep it quiet. Right. But it has come out that he was on the, he was there as first responder. Yeah. Because even though he was no longer with his unit, fire department, he had been a fireman. And he went back and worked with their unit the whole time. People were at their absolute best. Not Donald Trump. 
No, no. Donald Trump was not. He might have been at his best, but his best <laughs> no. is pure shit. I know. I did. I did nothing heroic uh, because when I tried to, uh, it was always full. So mm. when I went to go volunteer anywhere or donate blood anywhere or do anything like that, it was already so um, packed with people already doing it that I couldn't. Everywhere I turned to try to help, I couldn't. So I finally did like a Red Cross fundraiser. Because no matter how good you were, <laughs> yeah. there were people that were better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I did uh, a lot of benefits for the ACLU. Yeah. Uh, because I was very worried about freedom of speech with the uh, feeling of the country. Yeah. So I actually did stuff with Gilbert. Uh, Gilbert and I did a benefit where we did who's on first. <laughs> and then I did a thing I love with that Provenza where I did um, Bob and Ray mm-hmm. routines. And of course, we did um, the aristocrats. Was all around that. I mean, it wasn't about that, but it turned out to have a lot of impact on that because we were making it during that. And you know, I was very against the way we acted. And the oddest thing we did was we went into Rocky Horror. Yeah, uh, it was on Broadway, and Broadway was doing badly right after that. And they asked us if we would come in and do a week of Rocky Horror as the narrator because they thought that would sell tickets and maybe help them out. And presumably it did. I mean, they thanked us enough. Uh, and, and there were people in the seats. But um, I said to tell her, you know, if there are people who don't, who don't like our lifestyle, I think we should dress in fishnets and high heels and, um, you know, push, push as much of the kinkiness of, I mean, for some reason, the kinkiness of Rocky Horror and the playfulness and the comedy of Rocky Horror seem to be such a strong fuck you to these religious nuts who'd uh, who'd killed all those people. Yeah, yeah. I still disagree very much with how uh, the United States reacted to that Freedom Prize thing was insane. <laughs> What's that? Freedom Prize thing was insane. <laughs> yeah, well, that yeah, yeah, well, that was later. It's later, but it was yeah. related. And but but also TSA yeah was was crazy. I thought we should go with more freedom and not less. But um, I mean, the country as a whole did not agree with me. The other thing that is incredibly interesting, it'll take historians hundreds of years from now to see this, but you know, they did all these TV stories on people's faith and how people's faith mm-hmm. was holding them together. There were a lot of stories on that. You know, Bush talked about how uh, uh, Islam is a religion of peace and um, all the religious people kind of rallied. But the truth is that religion took a huge hit, huge hit. I do not believe people became atheists because of 9-11, but I believe a lot of atheists said, okay, enough of this shit. Yeah, We see the damage religion can do. I'm going to now say it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to now say it. And I know that as outspoken an atheist I was before 9-11, I was stronger after. Yeah. And the same for Hitch, the same for Sam Harris, same for uh, Stephen Fry, uh, same for uh, Salman Rushdie. Yeah. I mean, everybody was saying, well, you know, if we just say religion is nothing but good, we're going to get this shit more and more. And of course, the... Um, Consequences we can't possibly predict because of um, religious people feeling threatened because of the rise of atheism. I believe that's where we get a lot of Trumpism. And I believe that's where we get a lot of the anti-abortion stuff is people going, we are losing our culture. Damn skippy, you're losing your culture. Fuck you. We are parts of culture that should be lost. We are not a Christian. (laughs) We are not a Christian nation, you fucks. You know, we're a nation of a lot of different things, but we are not Christian. 
And uh, yeah, most of the people in this country were Christian, and that's changing. <laughs> yeah. It's changing wicked fast. Yeah. I'm curious if there's a way like to get, if there's any case I could ever come to the books of freedom of religion can also be interpreted as freedom from religion. Yeah, well, it, people say that over and over, yeah. Yeah, but there's nothing like a concrete case or something. Well, Madeline Murray O'Hare, can you pray out of schools? Yeah. I mean, that, that was long, long, long time ago. But you know, one of the reasons the Supreme Court is now packed with um, with um, mentally ill people right. is the fact that the um, the Catholics were so afraid of losing their way of life. Yeah, and I think a lot of that. Once again, I don't think almost no one became an atheist on nine eleven, but a lot of people who were and I'm using this phrase. I maybe I won't use the phrase. I don't like it. Who were um, who were quiet about their atheism started to be a little bit more vocal. Yeah. Go over a barbecue over a friend's house, right. and uh, instead of when someone brings up uh, what happened to church that Sunday, instead of saying, oh, that's interesting, maybe you say, I don't go to church, I don't believe in that. And that little shift is enormous. Right. Because as we know, um, getting to know people and getting to treat them as humans is a big shift. And I think that a lot of people did that. And then your fringe people... Your people who really are, I mean, the vast, the vast, vast, overwhelming, you can just about say all our religious people are good because people are good, but those fringe people who aren't, you know, the, the, the promise keepers, the crazy people, the racists, all that stuff that ties in with the fringes of Christianity really got a boost. From people going, oh, geez, these atheists are taking over. And atheists were said in the same breath with, um, you know, Mexicans. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think you get uh, you get all that happening. You know, you get Barack Obama, and people are very, very frightened by that. Because Barack Obama was religious. I mean, I, many of my friends say he was an atheist who just lied about it. I won't say that. He went to church. But his his religion was not the religion of telling other people what to do. And that's and, and Donald Trump was the opposite. Donald Trump had no religion whatsoever, but he was willing to exploit anything he could. And you have this weird, I mean, really, in their in their uh, nomenclature, you really have a deal with the devil. I mean, Donald yeah. Trump is a scumbag, and yeah. every religious person knows that. But he was willing, for craven and awful reasons, to work on getting rid of abortion. And they were willing to make that deal. And they made that deal. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we I think we had to um we had to deal with nine eleven a little bit and the loss of the Queen. And I do know um English friends of mine who were very, very upset at the loss of the Queen. I also think that Johnny Rotten, did you see Johnny Rotten? Oh, what a great article. Yeah. Johnny Rotten uh, did a tweet that just said he was sorry about her death and it was not her fault. She was born in a gilded cage. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the man who did God Save the Queen, the fascist regime. They made you a moron, potential H-bomb. And he said over and over again, at the time even, yeah, he wasn't talking about the Queen, even though he says you ain't no human being. <laughs> that's kind of his point. He's not talking about the Queen as a human being. Right. So when he says you ain't no human being, there's two ways to look at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One is you're a scumbag. The other way is we're not talking about you as a human being. And there is no future in England's dreaming. Johnny Rotten, 
having something to say about her as a woman, uh, which I think is, uh, I think is a woman, uh, unimpeachable, right? Perfect. Seems to have been. Yeah. I mean, I don't know much of her early history, but it's certainly. Yeah. The monarchy is, you know, something we can't possibly understand, mm -hmm. but, um, She'll be missed. She'll be missed, and she'll change England. And now a guy I talked about magic with is <laughs> now the king. How do I know a king? Yeah. How the fuck did that happen? Uh, we got to talk more about Godot's adventure yeah. as he moves off into the world. Uh, and we got to talk about Pictionary, which I went and played. Oh, that's right. We will do all that next episode because that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha cha cha. You become naked. And AJ, I loved you so much. I still love you. I hope you do come back to haunt me. I deserve <laughs> it. Yeah, AJ, I don't think it's really sunk in. We've lost AJ. Very sad thing. You know, we love you. Hey, Matt Donnelly. Yes. Do you have anybody you'd like to thank? Yes, I want to thank people who support us as loyal members of the congregation over at patreon.com slash pen. Find people who would also make great kings of England, like <laughs> Mason Gooch, Barry Burhoff, Sagebrush, Matthew Makud. That can't be right. Luke Mellon, Spencer Blair, Eileen Hunter, Samuel Stewart, Ken Krovchuk. A lot of new names. Welcome, new people. Jason Andrew Davidson, Peter B. Clark, Average Seal, Ben Price, Matt Williams, plus $110 boner office. Soapy <laughs> Fresh, Dang Griffith, Brad Sherlag, and Mike Cavanaugh. Thank you so much. Thank you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.